and welcome to episode six of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And today we are joined by our good friend and guest, Cam. So, guys. Hey, so, Cam, you definitely haven't ran a marathon, and I doubt that you plan to, but in college you did run the 500, right? Which some might say is the marathon of sprinting. 500 meters, by the way, for <laughs> anybody who doesn't know track and field. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was a long way to sprint. Uh, I don't know if I sprinted the whole way, actually. I think I was crawling <laughs> at the end. But I definitely don't want to go any further than 500 meters. Okay. So you definitely won't see me in a marathon. Okay. Well, so we'll we'll let you stay as the, uh, the marathon of sprinting. So uh, this week we'll be discussing Avengers Endgame. We'll warm up with very brief spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll head into spoiler territory for the bulk of the cast. And then finally, we'll conclude with our point two section, where we discuss what else we've been watching. And we just want to say that we're in a slightly different recording place right now, so if our audio sounds weird, that's why. So uh, first, let's read a synopsis of Avengers Endgame. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. Avengers Endgame stars literally everyone. It's written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and it's directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. So, Cam, last week we talked a little bit about the MCU as a whole. Uh, why don't you let us know what you feel about the MCU? The MCU, to me, is probably the best film franchise ever. Mm -hmm. And that's saying a lot because I love Star Wars and I love Harry Potter, uh, which are probably the other two biggest franchises around in terms of movies. But growing up, I was a comic book fan, so I read a lot of comic books, and I didn't really think that we would ever get this scale of a movie, uh, this scale of a franchise in theaters. I thought it would probably stay with the animated features on television. Uh, so to see the whole world kind of embrace superheroes and be excited to like see... Iron Man and Captain America fight Thanos for the Infinity Gauntlet is really crazy to me, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I think we're all here huge comic book fans and superhero fans, for sure. So, we all saw this uh, last night, which was opening night. What do you guys think about having that experience on opening night? Oh, I, I love opening night. I, I know you were complaining a bit about the crowd before the, the movie came movie started uh we were watching the star wars what's rise, of, rise skywalker. of skywalker yeah uh trailer before the movie and the crowd cheered like three times i think yeah in in the trailer in the trailer before yeah before the movie so that yeah. so that was a bad sign going in the movie but <laughs> I, I i love having an active audience in, on opening nights of things you just feel like everybody cares about it so much i, I love that feeling yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I, I really do like being there at opening night. Everybody's excited, and it's like the hardcore fans yeah. there, so everyone's really into the movie. Everybody's wearing Marvel shirts. Yeah, yeah except awesome. Cam. Let it be known that he didn't wear a Marvel shirt. But um, I did think that our audience sort of, like, shifted into the camp of almost reacting to react to the theater and not reacting personally. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, like, sometimes they would just be very, very, like, so vocal and so loud with their reactions that it was like, this cannot be for you. 
this is you're trying to make this a thing for everybody else so like in the opening scenes there was something that where people just audibly and incredibly loudly gasped even though you could see it coming from a mile away do you know Mm -hmm. what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. we'll keep it vague right but Mm -hmm. uh so that sort of bothered me but yeah well what were your expectations for this film cam I was expecting this film to obviously resolve what happened in Infinity War. Uh, there was a I talk, can I talk about the what happened in Infinity War? We could, we could assume that everyone watching this has had watched yeah. Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. So this is we'll say spoilers for all of the MCU besides okay. Endgame. Okay. For now. So at the end of Infinity War, obviously everyone got dusted, uh, and half the universe was gone. So I expected this film to kind of resolve that in a poetic type of way. I was expecting it to be kind of the conclusion of the Thanos original Avengers arc of the MCU and starting off with Phase 4 with Spider-Man and Black Panther. So kind of the conclusion of Tony Stark and Captain America's story. So... Oh no! Yeah, that's what I was expecting. That's that's what, yeah. what the movie was really. So, so. Did, it, did it live up to your expectations? <laughs> it did. It yeah. did. It really resolved everything that I wanted to resolve, and and everything ended in a way that was conclusive but optimistic for the future. Yeah, and so just to be clear, did you like this movie? <laughs> oh, I love this movie. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ian, what about you? Yeah, I absolutely love this movie too. Uh, like Cam said, it it tied up a lot of loose ends, not just from Infinity War. It tied up loose ends that have been open since the beginning of the MCU. And I, I love seeing all those callbacks uh, to the earlier years, like back to the first Iron Man. It just shows how how much work the Russos, the actors, the all the writers put into every little moment of the movie i i was absolutely satisfied by it. i was i was going in a bit hesitant uh after how after how infinity war ended because they went so crazy with infinity war i wasn't sure how they were going to top it in endgame but i was pleasantly surprised yeah i definitely was had very high expectations and was really worried I was setting myself up for failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I loved this movie. I think I think we all universally love this movie. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, I think there are some you know minor flaws and stuff that we can talk about, so that this hopefully isn't just a huge like love fest for this. But overall, yeah, I think this movie does everything that it could and everything that like it set out to do. Uh, I was really surprised by where this film went. Was not able to call anything, really, that happened in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also really, really impressed by how much the film focuses on emotional payoffs more than action payoffs. Yeah. Whereas it was almost the opposite in Infinity War, where there wasn't a lot of time for characters to kind of interact with each other because there was so much plot going on. The The plot here kind of takes a side stand stance, I don't know, to the emotional beats uh, between these characters. And I thought that was really cool. And I think this is one of the first films in the MCU that fully takes advantage of some of the best actors that the MCU has. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple scenes where, and we'll talk about it in spoilers probably, where some of the acting from characters like 
Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson are all just really impressive. Yeah, I thought definitely. And then the other thing I thought that was interesting about this was that it this feels like the movie where you absolutely have to have seen almost everything in the films for you to get the most out of the film. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. even in Infinity War, there's a lot of spectacle that you can embrace even if you don't really know who the characters are. But yeah. I feel like for this, if you don't know the characters, then a lot of it's going to be like, oh, what's going on? Because this movie is definitely a cap to the entire MCU, not just a sequel to yeah. even the Avengers you know, trilogy or whatever. Mm-hmm. You guys agree with that? I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I th- but I think there are different levels of... Enjoyment. Enjoyment and payoff for people who have invested a different amount of time in, into the movies. Like, yeah. I, I could definitely see my parents being brought, like, nearly to tears in this movie, but they haven't been nearly as invested as I have. Uh, they've seen probably most of the movies, but not more than once or twice. But I, I think this movie... Like you were saying, the some of the actors had brilliant uh, moments of acting, and that's something that I think everybody's gonna see, no matter no matter yeah, how long true. they've been invested for. I think that it was a really good movie that I think everyone would enjoy, but I think if you haven't been involved with MCU, I haven't seen the majority of the movies. I think you would feel the runtime more. I feel like. Oh yeah, I agree. I feel like if you aren't a tr- like mm-hmm. invested in the emotional moments of the movie, that you would feel that it's three and a half hours long. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's only three hours and two minutes long. Oh my bad. That's <laughs> Don't get carried bad. away. But uh, speaking of that, what did you guys think about the runtime? I know that was sort of I don't want to say a controversy uh, when they announced it, but a lot of people were like, "Wow, well, that's really long for an Avengers movie." Oh, what do you the, think? The main controversy I saw was that people wanted it to be longer. Really? Yeah. I heard like, oh, how are you able to go to the theater and not pee for three hours? Like, what? You, didn't, you never <laughs> did. You didn't did, see no, that? did nobody go to the theaters to see Lord of the Rings? Yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, or I agree. Star Wars? Like, but, um, true. did you feel the length at all? I don't think I did. I definitely did. I could have sat in that theater for five hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. <laughs> there was one time where I think I want to say. I mean, I, I guess I'm guessing that there was. It was two hours into the movie, and I was like. How how much more of this? What else is happening here? How much more of this is going on? Mm-hmm. Because the plot the plot's a little weird, right? Like it, there it were a couple have... times it felt like it was wrapping up yeah. when you were like, "How can it be wrapping up now?" Yeah, or have I been here for longer than I think? Yeah, or have I been here for less time than I think? It's it's very easy to I think. Mm-hmm you know, to lose yourself in this film and yeah. the runtime. Yeah. But at the very end, I almost found myself when everything was wrapped up being like, I kind of wish that it wasn't wrapped up right now. I want to, yeah. I want to see this keep going, which is, I think a good, a good place to leave. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I could have, I could have been in the theater for five hours as well. So how do you guys feel about the claim that infinity war and Endgame are technically two separate movies as opposed to like a part one and a part two. To me, it's definitely a part one and part two. Really? I, I don't think Infinity War could have pulled off any of the things that it did if it wasn't a part of a two-part series. So are you saying that... They they only were able to kill off half of the Marvel Universe because we knew that there was going to be more after that. Yeah, but I, I don't know if that's exactly a part one and a part two, right? Because if you mm-hmm. think of Star Wars uh, and 
uh, what is it, The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Han Solo ends that movie stuck in that carbon thing, right? Yeah. And you know that that's not the end. He's, you know that there's another movie coming back. But, like, episode six is not a part two of Revenge of the Sith. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it, I feel like this this movie ended up on such urgency mm-hmm. that you knew that it was going to be picked up right where it left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cam, do you agree with that? I think that it's definitely a part one and part two. Okay. I see it a little differently than Ian does, though. I feel like Infinity War can stand on its own as a as its own movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could watch Infinity War in a vacuum without watching any other movies. But Endgame, you have to watch. You have to watch Infinity War or else there's nothing. The whole movie is driven by what happens in the previous movie. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah. if Endgame is more tied to Infinity War than Infinity War is tied to Endgame. Oh. Um, hmm. But it is definitely a part one and part two. Yeah, which is, which is interesting because I think you might almost think of it as in most cases as the other way around. Yeah, right? that's, that's like, how I think of it. Like, like definitely... all these people are dead. We have to find a way to get well, them. I mean, I think, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with Cam on this one. Like, I, if you think about Harry Potter, for example, you yeah. can definitely watch the second Harry Potter, like second Harry Potter part two, mm-hmm. without watching the first one. Well, actually, no, I don't know can't. if you can. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But... But then, if you think about it, if you were to rewatch the Harry Potters, you'd be very inclined to skip part to one. To skip, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't know if I would want to skip Infinity War before seeing that. I don't know. It's an it's an interesting question. Um, either way, though, I think our recommendation is definitely if you haven't seen Infinity War, go see it. Right? It's Absolutely. On before it's spoiled for you. Yeah, and then then go see Endgame. So uh, let's 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 just go into spoilers right now. Right? Let's give our like scores, mm-hmm. Ian. What do you rate this movie and why? Okay, you're going to hate me because I'm going to give it a, a 10. Ooh, why would I hate you? <laughs> <laughs> Just because that you probably have that built up so high in your head that no, it can't think, be reached. I think I've started, I had like an epiphany. Uh, okay, that's that's a bit extreme. It's not an epiphany, epiphany. but I had All a right, realization. <laughs> <laughs> I had a realization where it's like, Movies can be tens even if they're not perfect. So I'm I'm changing my rating. Like so, I gave Love Simon, which I talked about recently. Yeah, I love that movie. I love that movie so oh, much. I love yeah, it so I much. mean, this movie just gave me exactly what I wanted and more. It, it had things that I never thought I would see on screen, like things that I could only see happening in a comic book. Definitely. And that blew me away. So yeah, ten. Awesome. All right, Cam. How about you? Oh, it's definitely a ten. Oh yeah. It's a ten. Okay. Ten out of ten. Oh. Would recommend. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to just, say? Just go see the movie, man. Just go see it before you catch a spoiler on the internet or walking down the street, you know? Yeah. Because if something is spoiled for you, it's definitely going to ruin the experience. So go see the movie. It's a 10. Yeah. I don't know if I'm bandwagoning. Uh, <laughs> I'm also going to give it a 10. <laughs> this movie is just great. I think just the fact that they were able to wrap this up in a satisfying way and pay homage not just to the Avengers movies, but I don't think it's a stretch to say every single other film, for the most part, yeah. uh, in the MCU. That's, what, 21, 22 films mm-hmm. that they all find some way to not only just pay homage to them, but to do it in an organic way that makes sense to all the characters yeah. and everything yeah. that's going on. So, 
yeah, 10 out of 10. It's not a perfect movie. And I think that if you're, if you saw Infinity War and you were like, there's literally nothing in here for me, <laughs> then you're, this isn't going to change your mind. <laughs> but I do think that in a lot of ways that this movie has stuff that Infinity War doesn't. And mm-hmm. it takes a perspective that Infinity War doesn't that may, maybe if you didn't, weren't enamored by Infinity War, this one may have something that you might like. So yeah, go see it. Yeah. Don't drink a whole bunch of water before, I guess, but <laughs> Bring you, some you snacks. can hold it. You can hold it. <laughs> Bring some snacks too. All right. So now we're going to be going into spoilers for Avengers Endgame. That is your spoiler warning from here on out. We're going to be spoiling everything. Please stop watching if you haven't seen it or Please. stop listening if you haven't seen it. All right. Spoilers starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. So let's talk about the opening scene where Hawkeye and his family, it's it's a cold open before the MCU logo, and Hawkeye and his family are hanging out on, you know, the Hawkeye farm, and he witnesses the snap, and all of his family disappears. How do you guys feel about that as the opening? Uh, that felt like a punch to the gut, even though I knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. Just seeing Clint look around and being like, where where are you guys? And then panicking and running around. That It was hard to watch. Yeah, I thought it was a very effective, just cold open, like, boom, these are the stakes, remember what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I feel like it was a really good way to... Like grip the audience and remind us how serious it actually was, because mm-hmm. obviously we saw our heroes disappear at the end of the movie. We saw Bucky and Spider Man all vanish, and we got a glimpse of what it was like in the real world with Nick Fury and how, what was happening in New York. But seeing Hawkeye just chilling with his family, and then all of a sudden they're gone, kind of gives you a picture of what the right like the everyday person was kind of going through mm-hmm. so it kind of sets the framework for later in the movie when cap is going is leading like a grief counseling group like those people probably went through the exact same experience as hawkeye like just having dinner and then your family vanishes yeah without a trace mm-hmm. yeah. uh so I think it was a really good way to frame the movie and frame the stakes I I do also like that it was sort of a way to remind people that Hawkeye is still important, even though he wasn't in the original movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and be like, yeah, you know, remember this guy? We're going to let him start this movie and yeah. kind of give him some sort of emotional stake in this mm-hmm. because we did him wrong in Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so this was the thing that I was talking about where our audience, his daughter disappears first. Mm-hmm. And when he, when the daughter disappears, the audience or, I mean, it had to just be like two or three people yeah. just audibly, so loudly gasped as if they didn't, didn't know, know that that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I know that. And it was like, what are you, I don't, I don't want to be a jerk or anything, but what are you doing here if you don't, like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then they gasped again, even louder, when his the rest of his family yeah. disappeared. And it was like, yes, it's it's sad and shocking, but... It's a little, I don't know, it, it felt like they were sort of trying to project and show off to the rest of the theater, almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you had that feeling, but that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, but other than that, the scene was fantastic. Yeah. And then we kind of cut right after that straight to 
them dealing immediately with the aftermath mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Um, the snap, and they almost instantly. No, actually, wait. Went no, to it cuts Tony. to Tony, right? Yeah, yeah, in space. Yeah, so Tony and Nebula are stuck in a ship. How do you feel about that whole emotional... Basically, the first 20 minutes of this movie are just, like, them hopping from one sad thing to another. Yeah. yeah. And I thought almost all of them worked. By the end, especially because the music kept replaying, like, almost the exact same music in every single one of these sort of sad moments, I was like, all right, yeah. let's, let's change it up a little bit, but... Individually, I thought each of these moments were so touching and yeah. sad. What was your, I don't want to say favorite, but what was the most effective part of that first kind of, I, I don't want to say act, but, you know, like the first couple minutes of the movie? When was the first, the first time we saw Cap was, was it in that grief counseling group? No, because well, that was I mean, after, that was after, that, the that was after they go and. Oh, yeah, it was after that. I think it was when. Captain Marvel brought Tony to the thing. Mm. Yeah, and they're like looking at all the pictures of yeah. the people and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. Then I then I would say um... Captain Marvel saving Tony. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved that, but the, I mean, it didn't have any emotional pull beyond me loving Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, listening to Tony talk to his helmet, though, I. Like that got me, even though we see that in the trailer a bit. Um, hearing him go from trying to, I guess it it goes from him trying to teach Nebula. It seemed like to be happy and have fun, to him going and being on his own, dealing with his own mortality, while she didn't have to. Yeah. So can. I'm going to ask you this since you're not a diehard Captain Marvel fan. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about Captain Marvel kind of just waltzing in and uh, saving Tony and Nebula? I felt it was a little deus ex machina-ish. Yeah. Or, or Carol Danvers ex That's how machina. I felt about it until I watched Jeremy's talk. You watched Jeremy's spoiler No, I, I, I avoided it. Oh. Uh, well, like, he, he posted a spoiler talk today. Oh, okay, yeah. I haven't, I haven't um, seen it. So, based off what he said, I've kind of developed, like, a theory about what happened. Mm-hmm. So, Captain Marvel, the scene, at the, the post-credit scene at the end of Captain Marvel where she comes and, like, she's like, where's Fury? That happens before this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they talk to her. And according to Jeremy, he feels like the the ship that they're on is the, is the Guardian ship. Yeah. So, and that's Rocket ship. So... He would know where it was. Okay. And he's like, oh, it's a drift in space. Like, one of my friends could be on that ship. Can you go get it? And then she went and grabbed it and brought it back. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, after, that's pretty much what I thought after happened. Think, I thought that she was just, like, patrolling. And she's like, oh, look, the ship. <laughs> well, well, I just think no, that. No, I thought she was clearly as, sent by them. Yeah. As far as how it's set up in the movie, it's like. Oh, it's definitely. It, it, just... It's in two minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it just feels very rushed. And it feels like. They need Tony back on Earth, so mm-hmm. they just rushed through it. And I feel like in another movie that has less to do than this movie, that point of time of mm-hmm. Tony being lost in space with Nebula would take up, you know, at least 10 minutes mm-hmm. of yeah. the movie. But that's something interesting about this movie is that I feel like there are so many things that it's trying to do that these sort of pieces or moments yeah. that would normally in an 
in a other film be long stretches of the movie. Mm-hmm. They happen in a single scene and they kind of just wrap up very quickly and tidily. Definitely. And I don't think that's necessarily a uh, flaw. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like doesn't work, but it mm-hmm. is interesting and it sometimes does make the pace feel very hectic yeah. and sometimes stuff will happen and you'll just be like, oh, okay, I guess we're done with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I guess they, I guess they solve time travel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I guess Thanos is, is done now. Like, like it just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is sort of, I mean, the prime example, right, is that they, they go and <laughs> <laughs> they, with Captain Marvel's help, they go and find Thanos and kill him, uh, on his little peaceful farm. What? 10 minutes into the movie? Is that a yeah. rough estimate? Yeah, probably. Maybe 15, maybe. Nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you guys think about that? When I, f- when they first left to go to space, um, what I, th- my initial thought was the feeling I had in Creed 2, but, like, way more exacerbated. You want to um, clarify that? In Creed 2, spoilers for Creed 2. Um, Crap. Skip ahead. <laughs> skip ahead, like, 20 minutes. I don't know. 20 minutes? Are you talking about Creed 2 um, for 20 minutes? <laughs> that was an arbitrary number. But basically, it's about him fighting this guy, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I love that so, movie, by the way. When he went to go fight him for the first time, I was like, it's too early. Like, he's going to lose Yeah. because it's too early. That's how I felt about this. I was like, it's too early. They're going to go. Carol's going to understand the threat. Like, she's like, oh, he's actually strong. And then they're going to plan mm-hmm. and come back. Yeah. And then they just won. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. What? I mean, I remember you turning when when they, when they Carol goes down to the planet that he's on and he's like, oh, I'm going to do reconnaissance. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's here alone. He turned to me and he was like, that was a little too early for them to just win. And I was like, yeah. He's not going to be there alone. And he was, and then they just killed him instantly. <laughs> yeah, wh- when they got him down and he was just, like, talking to them, I was convinced, like, oh, it's, like, reality stone stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't real. Yeah. And I thought he was just going to fade away like it did with the Guardians in yeah. Infinity War. And then that didn't happen, and his head got chopped off, and I was like, oh, what's going to happen? Yeah, like, like... I, I had literally no idea what was going to happen for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I think I think that that is insane. That is one of the reasons why I, I think we, we said, like, go see this without any spoilers. Yeah. Not knowing what the next two hours and 50 minutes of this movie was going to be was insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so exciting. All of our predictions, like, went out the window in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, we, we talked about <laughs> this movie before seeing it for, like, an hour. Like, oh, what do we think is going to happen? When do we think this is going to happen? And it was like, well, I guess none of that. It, it's crazy. <laughs> so let's talk now about the five-year time jump and so this actually seems to happen quite a bit in like series finales of tv shows right where at the start of the season or at the last episode of the season or whatever there's just massive time jump mm-hmm. and so here i think it works actually really effectively do you agree yeah 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 definitely yeah so what was one of the most what was something that you thought was most effective about this i thought it was really cool that we were able to see the characters that we knew and loved in sort of a different frame. We were mm-hmm. able to see how living for five years, knowing that they had failed affects each of the characters. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Seeing uh, Steve go to the, the counseling group or whatever that was, uh, that was definitely really powerful. Seeing, seeing him talk about how he failed and acknowledge that they had to move on from that. And then hearing from normal people about how, their lives have been affected by it. That was, that was really powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you guys think about Ant-Man? 
Oh, I, I, I loved Ant-Man coming back. That was really cool, seeing uh, seeing him pop out of the van. You know, seeing seeing him come out of the van and then realizing that something's gone terribly wrong in the world was uh, was was something else, I, I think. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I really liked what they did with Ant-Man here because they finally used Paul Rudd in the way that he's... Like, they, they play to his strengths a lot here. Paul Rudd just sort of has this sort of aw shucks, doofy, clueless look. Yeah, clueless. I get it. Do you get it? No. Oh, he was in Clueless. Okay, cool. Yeah, (laughs) nailed it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he, yeah, he, he always just has this sort of doofy look, and he here he's getting played as sort of just this everyday average man Avenger, Mm -hmm. sort of like in um, Deadpool Two. When they have Peter on the X Force, it's sort of just like Paul Rudd is just this idiot that's along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. and it's really fun to experience the Avengers kind of world through Paul Rudd because, in a lot of ways, we're learning about things the same way that he is because mm-hmm. things have changed completely in five years. He doesn't know, we don't know, so we're kind of seeing it through his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but he's not—he's not just there for uh, laughs, though. In in that scene, you know, he he comes out and. As soon as he realizes that something's wrong and he sees these uh, these names in the memorial, he's like, crap, what about Cassie? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I really like that they finally use his relationship with his daughter for an emotional yeah. purpose. And there's, yeah. like, that scene is just so emotional. He's scrambling when, around just, like, hoping to not find her name. Yeah, and, like, him, and so he's, like, scrambling around, pushing people out of the way, and then when he sees that his name is gone, but... Cassie's name isn't there he like runs over to his house and is banging on the door and it, it all feels like something that a real human being would do in this this circumstance yeah. yeah and I think that Paul Rudd specifically is really good at portraying emotional vulnerability mm-hmm. in a way that we haven't seen in some of his solo films mm-hmm. yeah Cam what, about, Cam what about you after the five year jump it was interesting to see like where the world is uh just like the world as a whole, uh, seeing people in Cap's grief counseling group, the guy talking about his date, that was uh, interesting. Yeah, to... I I thought that that was he was just the first openly gay character in I was, yeah. the MCU I or noticed in like that. a big film like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I like that it was just subtle and they didn't draw like a ton of attention to it or yeah. anything like that. I thought it was just. A nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, we've got a long way to go for inclusion, but yeah. I think that that is a very nice yeah. touch. Yeah. One thing in this movie that didn't really work for me so much that happened as a result of the time jump was with the Hulk. <laughs> I I wasn't a big fan of the the sudden uh, Bruce and Hulk get along. You know, they're they're just they're just pals now. I guess. He he says that he just suddenly realized why am I fighting the Hulk? I'll just I'll just live with him, and so now they're they're suddenly roommates. just a, roommate yeah roommates I guess in the same body, and I I wasn't a big fan of that because you know you talk you hear in the other Avengers movies he's talking about like trying to kill himself, and that not working, and like how he like sort of struggles from that, and it seems like. I, I, I feel like I deserve something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, sort of the resolution of that character arc, 
happens off screen. Yeah. Right. And I, I, I guess I understand that that's, that's frustrating. I, I looked at it sort of as trying to think about this film is trying to bring a whole bunch of different characters stories to an end. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that this is the end point for Hulk or for Bruce Banner is him kind of embracing the Hulk. So I think that at least even, even though we don't get to see kind of, like it, it jumps from A to B to mm-hmm. D and skips that C mm-hmm. section, but at least <laughs> C <on>. section. <laughs> God. <laughs> but the uh, the end point at least makes sense for the character, and so. But I do understand that that that's sort of frustrating. That that's kind of a huge part of the comics too. Yeah, yeah. So, eventually, Ant Man figures out what's going on, and he comes back, and he says, "Okay." I have a theoretical way to do time travel, right? And then that becomes the whole, you know, middle half of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. them figuring out, them doing what we call the time heist, right? Yeah. So they're going to go back in time and get all the Infinity Stones and then bring them back. What do you guys think about this? You know, I, I thought it made sense. It, it was the only possible thing that they could have done. everybody's minds went to it as soon as in Ant-Man and the Wasp they talked about how time works differently in the quantum realm you're like oh okay (laughs) so that's how they're gonna do it yeah yeah but I don't I I don't know I thought this was really exciting and I loved this whole sequence yeah it it was really it was really great I'm not I'm not saying I didn't like it but yeah yeah. I, I do think that the way that they sort of come to Tony and talk about Oh, that's the other thing that we didn't mention is that Tony just now has a daughter. Yeah. Um, and I thought that there was a potential problem there that, you know, they just introduced this random new character that theoretically Tony's been with for five years, but we're just inter- being met. Mm-hmm. We're just being introduced to for the first time. Yeah. And there's a potential problem there that we could see, okay, clearly they want us to to see that Tony has an emotional attachment to this kid, but we don't have an emotional attachment to this kid. Mm-hmm. But I thought that Robert Downey Jr. did an excellent job at making you realize how much he cared for this new life that he was given and yeah. his mm-hmm. daughter and everything like that. Yeah. That, that was really effective. But then he sort of just instantly solves time travel, yeah. right? Um, that's another one of those th- things where it's just like, oh, we don't have time for him to do a, to have a montage of him figuring out how to solve time travel. So he's just going to do it instantly, right? That makes sense for Tony. He's a yeah. super genius. Yeah, but like I mean, even even in Ultron, they gave him like a Science Bros montage. Like, well, it, it, it's just the film doesn't totally have time to waste, mm-hmm. quote unquote, on yeah. things. So that they just happen really quick. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. But um, one of the things I I think this was probably my least favorite part of the film was when they were sending Scott back in time, and he came back as like a man and back as a baby. To me, that felt very. Um, it felt almost like a little gag mm-hmm. and like playtime sort of instead of the rest of the movie that's very down to business. And I, I was kind of surprised that it took the time to mess around with that. And I didn't think it was that funny or anything like yeah. that. Well, I mean, it it wasn't, it couldn't be Hulk that figured out yeah. how to successfully yeah i just i don't know why they bothered to do that. i think it was because they didn't think that, that tony was going to be out yeah no no, no but I, I mean i don't know why they bothered showing like spending screen uh, time showing i that. think it was because they wanted to show that like bruce is really inequipped to do this because i feel like bruce and yeah. tony uh and even sherry in black panther and infinity war have been built up to be so smart that they could just 
they could just figure it out. Like, we could just get Bruce to do it, and he could figure it out. So, like, this, I feel like that little scene was show, showing, like, Bruce really, they really need Tony to come back. Like, they really, mm-hmm. they really, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. Bruce can, really can't do this, and that scene showed that, like, he was pushing time through through Scott instead of pushing Scott through time. I don't know. Tony said something yeah, to yeah. that effect. So, like, not knowing that distinction is kind of what made Hulk fail at doing it and not understanding that Mm -hmm. small distinction is why they needed Tony. Okay, that's fair. I have a question for you, Cam. You're a biomedical engineer, right? (laughs) Um, Do you ever watch movies like this where there's a character that's really smart and they try and give them like mathematical, scientific-y mumbo-jumbo to say and you're just sort of like, that doesn't sound like anything. Because, like, there's just this one scene where Tony's telling Friday to run a model or something, yeah. and he's like, tell me the eigenvector of that. And yeah. I was just like, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, I don't know anything about quantum physics or anything like that, but sometimes it's really funny to just hear almost buzzwords yeah. that they just throw in. The Flash TV show, for example, does a terrible job All of the doing time. this. Um, but, I don't know. I just think that's pretty funny. I... So for movies, especially superhero movies, I'm able to like suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's mostly for like visual things when th- they do things that aren't when they show things that aren't physically possible. I kind of just assume that due to their superhero nature and the world that they're in, that that's possible. But when they say things, it's hard for me to to make that distinction because. Seeing in the Fast and Furious movies, right, when Vin Diesel jumped the car from building the building, yeah, that's not possible. But like, it's possible in this movie, yeah, so it's yeah. okay. But like, when Bruce and Tony are talking about like mass spectrometry, mass spectrometry, and finding gamma rays and putting the mass spectrometers on the on the roof, I'm like, oh yeah, and Avengers, yeah. what? You're I not, noticed that too. You're not gonna put that, that on the roof, and this is gonna tell you where it. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that too. It, it, yeah, some of that mumbo jumbo stuff is is pretty yeah. funny to just be like, "All right, fine, whatever." But, but they try, so yeah. I guess I'm looking to allow it. I just like I want to know how the screenwriters come up with what to say. Yeah. Like I'm sure they do some sort of consulting, but I bet those consulting people are given you know a couple thousand dollars or whatever, and they're just like, "Yeah, just use this word," and. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. So I don't know. I, I think I think it's kind of funny. It's kind of like when somebody's running in a movie and you can see that they have terrible form. Or yeah. Like, or even yeah. in like the Jesse Owens movie, it's like that dude does not, not run, run like <laughs> as fast as he is. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So then they kind of the remaining Avengers they break up into four different groups and they each go on their way to get a whole bunch of different uh, time stones or mm-hmm. just infinity stones. Ian, what was one of your favorite moments about this kind of whole second act? Yeah, one of my favorite moments was uh, Tony meeting his father in the past mm-hmm. uh, at the military base. I thought that was a really great moment for Tony to get closure with his father, just sort of figure out what his father was really like because he never really seemed to know exactly how good of a father he had how good or bad yeah he, he was and hearing hearing his father say that he would 
do literally anything for his child that hasn't even been born yet. I, I think that meant a lot to Tony. Yeah, I, I really liked just all these scenes because you were able to get these sort of, not character cameos, but sort of like nods to a whole bunch of all the different films yeah, in the MCU. Yeah, and yeah. that was so exciting. Was Was there one that really excited you? Oh, seeing the uh, opening of the Guardians of the Galaxy in a different point of view yeah. was utterly hilarious. It yeah. was so funny. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and explain um, that a little bit. So, in the opening of the Guardians of the Galaxy, there is Star-Lord kind of singing, I don't know what the song is called. It's come and Get Your Love? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Come and Get Your Love. Yeah. Uh, and he's singing with the, with the alien lizards as microphones, and he's kicking them <laughs> around, and then like the title comes up. And it's just him going on his way to get the Power Stone. So when Rhodey and Nebula are waiting for Star-Lord to come to show them where the Power Stone is, he comes in and the song starts playing. So you start to, like, get that feeling again, like, oh, they're going to show, like, his entrance. And they, like, show him singing with the song for half of it. And then the, the song cuts away and it's just him singing out loud it's just chris pratt <laughs> singing and it's so terrible and like it's just like it's just not what you would expect because the guardians of the galaxy film makes it seem like he's lip singing yeah so like to see that he was actually singing and it's so terrible yeah and then roadie like <laughs> comes in and he's like he turns to nebula and is just so he's an idiot <laughs> and then he just knocks him out and takes the uh the power stone. I thought yeah. that was so funny. I, I really liked Rhodey in this movie. I was yeah. surprised by how much they gave him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually want to talk a little bit about that later when we talk about Tony's death. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was interesting to kind of pair off Rhodey and Nebula, who both seem like almost tertiary characters, mm-hmm. and kind of giving them one of the main set pieces. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool, and they did some really interesting stuff with Nebula. Mm-hmm. I wish... That because Nebula was such a big part of this movie, I wish that she was given more to do in the original Guardians yeah. and Volume 2. Because she almost does it doesn't feel like she's a full character until this movie. Yeah. And then they sort of try and convince you that she's a full character. Yeah. I don't also really like how Karen Gillian plays her. She's like very um like acts through gritted teeth almost. Yeah. You know, and like everything she says is, I mean, I get it. She's, she's a cyborg and she's been tortured her whole life and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. But <laughs> it, there's just not a whole bunch. Like it's, it's a very monotone. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's purposeful. I think Karen Gillian's a, a very good actress, but it's just not a super engaging character for me. The way that she just sort of talks like this all the time. I think she's as engaging as she could be. Yeah. whatever agree to disagree (laughs) all right (laughs) but um so let's talk about the when they go back to the avengers right yeah yeah what's your favorite moment of that oh favorite moment of that i you know i i loved the um the nod to the elevator scene with with captain america yeah i mean everything with captain america in i guess this whole movie is great but but (laughs) Something that made me go like, oh my god, this is awesome, was when Captain America started to fight himself. 
they oh, yeah. they threw the two two shields at each other and oh, they just so they just cool. clang and fly in the other like separate directions. They're just matching each other's moves. You gotta you it's gotta amazing. think though that like at that point, Cap like the old Captain America would have maybe figured out that that's not Loki because yeah. how does Loki just replicate a shield? I mean, I guess isn't it all just illusions? Yeah, yeah. Right? Or with so, the um, with the picture of Peggy. Well, yeah. So he figures that out, but shouldn't he have been like, oh, that guy threw an actual shield at me? <laughs> Yeah. This is a carbon copy <laughs> to, of my shield. To here. be fair, Captain America's never claimed to be a genius. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, down. Yeah, no, that's true, I guess. Uh, I Yeah, my favorite moment in that whole thing is when he's in the elevator and you think he's just going to fight all the people in the yeah. elevator because that's a homage to Winter Soldier. But then he knows that Sitwell and Rumlow, mm-hmm. who are back in this, which is cool, are undercover hydra agents so he just turns to them and is like hail hydra and that convinces them to give him the scepter yeah i thought that was so cool that was really and cool. like such a good that's just one of the many moments in this movie that are just this long-term form yeah. of payoff mm-hmm. yeah. that like if you hadn't seen winter soldier that moment would still be cool but it wouldn't be as cool and as effective mm-hmm. knowing what you know about what that captain america knows yeah, yeah. you know and so that's why i think that you know, I, I would not want to tell somebody to see this without seeing The Winter Soldier. Yeah. Even though that's just one tiny moment in yeah. this giant three-hour epic, right? Yeah. But, yeah. like, I want people to be able to have that... Uh, Appreciate every yeah. little moment. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, them bringing back Robert Redford, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I'm pretty sure that guy retired from acting. <laughs> they brought back Rene Russo and mm-hmm. Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. who is, like, notorious for having a fallout with Marvel. I don't know how they got her back. Yeah. Maybe they money. were just like, yeah, maybe they were just like, please, like, be chill. <laughs> For, like, please. five minutes. Yeah. You literally don't have to do you anything. You just have to you walk. Have to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. She probably got paid so much money for the bare minimum. Yeah. yeah. My um, favorite part in the Avengers, like, New York scene, uh, like, like, going back to New York, is so arbitrary. It's such, like, a abstract part of the, the scene. Uh, because... In the Avengers, when they're going back to Asgard and they've captured Loki, he has, like, this thing on his mouth. And I'm like, what was he saying that made you put this thing on his mouth? Oh, like, yeah. like, why Why is it on his mouth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was wondering that, too. <laughs> and the fact that it's because he was, like, mimicking Captain America. Yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> yeah. That was, I was, I was, that was really funny. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. So in, in this timeline that they obviously mess up in, uh, which is nice. I like that it, nothing, like it didn't all go perfectly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. But in this timeline, Loki gets the Tesseract and then just dips. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right? So do you think that that is setting up for the Loki TV show? Yeah. And yeah. do you think that that is just going to take place in an alternate reality? Like, is this the MCU dipping into multiple timelines? Or do you think... I it's think gonna be some through some wavy stuff. yeah through some timey wimey stuff he's gonna find his way back into the like the current the MCU. current MCU. You think so? Yeah. See, I don't know if I like that because I thought that his death at the start of Infinity War was mm. an excellent way of being like there are stakes. Right mm-hmm. now. So I I don't I think I'm more were. comfortable. Well, yeah. <laughs> and now there aren't. <laughs> yeah, that's lame. But I I think it would be more cool if he was just on his own kind of Tom Hiddleston universe thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh that's that would be my preference, but one thing I want to point out is that I think what I, while I really like what they do in this film with Scott Lang, I think that they kind of waste Ant-Man. And I don't think that even in his original or in his uh 
standalone films that they really do that much cool stuff with his shrinking powers. Like, I think that there's a lot of choreography that could be really cool and really inventive ways to use that power. Mm -hmm. And in here, they don't use it really at all. Like, there's not really anything inventive done with his shrinking powers. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of, you know, he pulls the cord out of Tony Stark, and that's it. But, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like... What would you, think, you have done, Mr. Screenwriter? I don't know. I'm, just, <laughs> all, I'm not paid to do this. So I don't know. <laughs> but, but, you know what I mean? Like, I think Infinity War had a lot of cool uses of different powers. Yeah. Even cool uses of the Infinity Stones. Mm -hmm. Whereas, I'm sort of skipping ahead, I guess, a little bit. But in this film... With the exception of the one-on-one -on -one fights between Thanos and, like, Captain America and Thor and stuff, there's not that much inventive use of powers, I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought that—I mentioned this earlier, I know, but I thought that the more inventive and exciting stuff, with the exception of everything that had to do with Captain America's fight scene, was all not power-based. It was all not action-based. It was all the emotional stuff. Because, yeah. like, think back to the fight with Thanos and Tony on um, yeah. Titan— and he's like moving all the nanobots everywhere and mm. like doing he, he's got a hammer at one point, he's got a shield, he, he gives himself thrusters and like roots into the ground. They don't do any of that. I don't think Tony actually does really any fighting in this. Right? Like yeah, he doesn't really so. use his Avengers or Iron Man suit. Yeah, like, I don't think all. so. I mean not until the third act, obviously. But... Yeah, but even in that, it's mainly he's just shooting stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he does some pretty cool stuff with rescue in the the final scene oh that's true yeah yeah i don't know i just feel they have some cool team-ups yeah i guess is there anything you want to say about like this whole thing before we go to that final thing is there anything else that we wanted to talk about i guess we kind of we should probably talk about the black widow death right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what what do you think about this i liked it yeah no i it it made sense to me i, I would have been fine either way clint dying or natasha dying but uh, obviously clint has a family so that, yeah. that's a big reason for him to stay yeah. alive. Yeah. And he has a TV show set up. True. True. But Black Widow has a, <laughs> a movie. Has a, has a prequel set up. Yeah. yeah. So do you think it's going to be a prequel instead of some spinoff time thing? It's definitely, that's probably yeah, going to be a prequel. prequel. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be about Budapest? That would be so cool. That would be cool. They talk about it a lot. Yeah. So do you think Hawkeye will be in it? Yeah. 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 I think he'll be in it in some capacity at least. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so we've definitely seen this whole Vormir thing before mm -hmm. in the previous movie. I thought this was another one of those things that happened very, very quickly, I thought, in this movie. I and loved I the way it was that done. It was good yeah. that it happened quickly. There were, like, almost no words exchanged between the two of them. Yeah. But, but I'm thinking of, like, even the visuals of Hawkeye waking up and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, that had a, the potential to be very repetitive. Mm -hmm. And I think visually it was a little repetitive it was like okay but it, it was a that. different experience like yeah. the other yeah. one was thanos just throwing his daughter off a cliff you know yeah. but even the exact um like image of scarlett johansson or whatever black widow it's like she was sprawled out the exact same the way, exact same way. Was. yeah uh, there's definitely supposed to be parallels there yeah yeah um yeah did you i what I really liked about this scene was that I really believed the relationship between Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah, they were fighting each other Which, to kill themselves. Yeah, but 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 even just like the moment that they have before that when they're like hugging and like mm -hmm. they touch heads and stuff, I, I it very much felt platonic, not platonic, but like a friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think this movie actually does a really good job at separating friendships 
from mentorships, from romantic relationships, and they all have very subtle ways that they deal with those relationships and losing people mm-hmm. in those relationships. Thought that was really cool. Yeah. But like, for example, when when they are dealing immediately, they all get back and Natasha's not there. And they're like, what's going on? They've largely abandoned the, at this point, the Natasha and Bruce relationship, Mm -hmm. but you can tell on the way that Mark Ruffalo is acting through CGI motion capture that he is, there is something that he is pissed about Mm -hmm. in this. And I thought what they were going to do is that that was going to be, Again, him snapping and going back to his berserker hole. Yeah, me too. Um, but he does have that moment where he like throws the bench into the water, and you can tell that he's clearly angry yeah. in a more subtle way that Cap isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was like a great character moment and a really good kind of homage to even that relationship that yeah. they ultimately end up scrapping. Yeah, you know, yeah, I I thought that was really cool. So. The next thing that happens ultimately is they decide that Hulk has to be the one to make the snap because mm-hmm. he's the only one that can wear the um, the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I really like the moment before that where Thor is the one that wants to do it. He kind of wants to right this wrong. I guess we didn't really talk about Thor much, right? And the yeah. fact that he's now fat. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, in his five years... He's founded new Asgard with Valkyrie, but then basically become a drunk and he's like really not dealing well Mm -hmm. with the idea that he lost and he failed and he's had a pretty rough go recently losing virtually everybody he cares about. Um, So it was pretty funny to see him as kind of this like, you know, the really sexy Chris Hemsworth as this wallowy chubby dude mm-hmm. but uh it was also kind of tragic on a character level yeah and getting to see the resolution between him and his uh mom mm-hmm. i thought was a very nice homage to that whole series of films even yeah. before the whole ragnarok stuff yeah. which was almost like a soft reboot of the franchise yeah so i was really impressed by them being able to like to make an homage to that you know who's not dead lady sif where is she She's just gone. She's I guess they've gone. replaced her with, yeah, she's with, out. with Tessa Thompson. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> fine with me. Tessa Thompson's awesome. She is. Um, but yeah, so then they ultimately decide that Hulk wants to do the snap. It snaps. He almost Loses burns, his arm, yeah. burns his arm off, but then everything happens and we're like, oh, this is cool. For some reason, two birds are flying outside and that makes... Sign of happiness in life. Yeah, that makes Ant-Man be like, guys, it worked because there's two birds instead, instead of one. one. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, it's a brighter world. But the moment where Clint gets the phone call, I thought that was really nice mm-hmm. from, from his wife. And then what happens? Boom. Right? Boom. Boom. Did you feel like this was sort of maybe an homage to the Iron Man 3 exploding? Oh, his house. His Malibu house. I got no. some serious vibes to that. Not really. But I didn't get that either. But I got some. I got some pretty serious vibes from that. Okay. But that that like shocked me. It was so. Yeah. Cool. No. That yeah. was so fast, and mm-hmm. it was nuts. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So then, basically, Thanos comes back, and I, I guess we sort of skipped over this, but you know, right? He figures this out via Nebula, uh, and kind of comes back using pin particles from 2014 mm-hmm. and comes to the future mm-hmm. to basically kill 
the entire world. So like in, in the first one he, where he was more of a tragic character and one that we were supposed to sympathize with that he was trying to do everything right, he realizes now that no, these people are they're just pests. Yeah. And I'm gonna enjoy wiping them out. So he brings everybody in and then we get the coolest moment ever, right? Mm-hmm. What happens? The portal op- uh, one of those orangey wizard portals that opens and, you know, Black Panther, Shuri, and Okoye walk through. Like, they strut through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you just see all of the portals start opening all over the sky. Characters are just being dumped from space. And <laughs> yeah. it is the coolest thing seeing, like, character after character come in. Valkyrie comes riding in on a Pegasus. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. I don't know where she got a Pegasus. I don't care. Fine. <laughs> yeah. And like a panoramic of, like, oh. it went from, like, heroes over to the villains. Yeah. And, like, it looked like a page of a comic book. Like, yeah. Like, Actually, you know, we're skipping a whole thing where it's Tony and... Yeah, I know what thing you were talking about when, when Cap grabbed the... Yeah, yeah. The hammer. That yeah, was... that's that's not what I meant, but we, I, I just no. totally realized we, we completely skipped, like, the three-on-one fight. Oh, with yeah. Tony, Thor, Thor and, and Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. And I, or Cap. Cap. Yeah. I thought that was so cool, because those were kind of, like, the, the three original big main, yeah. big three Avengers. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they were the, interact. like, they were the first three that, like, interacted in the first Avengers movie, like, that fight yeah. in the woods. Yeah. Like, yeah. that reminded me of that. And, that fight scene is so sick yeah. between so Thanos. So good. And then, right, you have so many moments. You've got Thor wielding both Stormbreaker and Mjolnir. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my God, when Cap picked up Mjolnir. Yeah, I lost it, it. And he was, like, able to, like, get lightning out of it and everything. That that was the moment that I screamed the loudest in the theater, yeah. I think. I yelled. Yeah. I was so pumped. And he tosses up his shield and then hits the hammer, hits it with the hammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, like, it's like he's been planning this, like, since Age of Ultron when he knew that he could pick it up. He was like, I need yeah. to figure out how to use this and thing. So this is another, like, I think this moment right here exemplifies the idea that you need the more you've seen of these movies yeah. the more important this is because yeah. like it's cool on a visual level it's cool like to see that Thor's or to see Captain wielding that hammer and to see him have lightning and everything like that but if this is the first MCU film that you've seen if you haven't seen the other Thor's or Age of Ultron mm-hmm. then you have no idea why it's important thematically for Captain America to pick up that that hammer yeah. So you you don't know because they don't explain that Mjolnir is you know it's only the worthy that can pick it up. They mm-hmm. they don't do that in this movie. So if you well don't they sort have, of do. It, when the, when they're back in Asgard and he calls the hammer back, he's like, oh, I am still worthy. Oh yeah, sort of. But but do, but not really. Yeah, not you know really. <laughs> like like so if you don't have that information, then it that moment doesn't isn't as impactful. Yeah, for sure. And then there's the other layer of that that like if you haven't seen Age of Ultron, you don't know that he budged it mm-hmm. budged it yeah yeah budged it, nudged, it that one yeah. time and so that's just a whole payoff to this whole other thing mm-hmm. that was you know that happened five years ago at this yeah point. and i thought that that whole thing that even though it's visually cool the thing that i thought the cool was the coolest was all this additional stuff that it meant for the characters mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think that that perfectly encapsulate encapsulate Encapsules? Encapsulated. Encapsulates this movie for better or for worse. Yeah. Right? 
so good. <laughs> yeah, it was Cap's movie at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. But so then, then everybody comes back, right? Yeah. Who are you most excited to see in this? Spidey. Oh, Black Panther. Ibombay. Oh, that was so sick. So I so I have a question for you. I we definitely talked about this when we were leaving the theater. Do you think that before Black Panther made a billion dollars, they were going to have Shuri walk out with Black Panther? There's no way. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way. Because there's no reason she should be on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is no way that I, I would venture to guess that he wasn't even the first person to walk out of the portal before reshoots after Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> they were probably... And then there's a whole scene where they're kind of playing keep away with the Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And Black Panther has this, like, really dope sequence of yeah. him just acrobatting all over the place. Yeah, sprinting through the field. I'd be willing to bet that that wasn't in there until <laughs> Black Panther made a billion dollars. Yeah, Because yeah. he's, again, not really given much to do in this movie. Yeah. Just like in Infinity War. And I think I'm okay with that if he becomes a huge leader in the next Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah, Yeah. I think like the next big three will be Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Spider Man. Yeah, probably. Well, and Sam. Sam Wilson. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Out of here. Maybe. (laughs) We'll see. I I have stuff to talk about for that, but. <laughs> uh, so yeah, was there any like cool sequences in this? I, I love that Ant Man got big again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know I like went on a little mini rant about not using Ant Man's powers as well, but when he punches the space whale, oh yeah, yeah. that was that is so not cool. only an homage to the Hulk thing, which is badass, but then that was just so cool. Yeah, like, he was just that big that he just he just completely punches a space whale. It my, was so cool. My favorite uh, was actually with Captain Marvel. Big, yeah. yeah, big surprise there. <laughs> <laughs> we got, when she flies in, I, I'm willing to bet everybody thought, like, oh, it's game over. Like, Thanos is done because it's Captain Marvel. But, you know, they they, they weren't going to have Captain Marvel come in and just end the movie right there. Yeah. But I love the way that they did it. They they showcased how powerful she was when she was fighting Thanos, and he headbutts her, and she just doesn't move. And you heard, like, the clunk sound? Yeah, she, she just, like, stays staring at him, and then she just starts to beat the crap out of him. And the only reason that she gets, like, tossed aside is because he has, like, the good idea of, like, pulling the power stone out of the infinity gauntlet and holding it with his normal hand and punching her with that. That yeah. was so cool. That made me gasp. I was like, that's so nuts. And but like that's, that, that's, that's, that's the a good only way. moment that a time that a, an infinity stone is used in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the gauntlet. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, but you know, one of the things I have a question about actually, so that it's all these people collecting the stones. Mm. You remember how there's a huge, plot point in guardians of the galaxy about how no human being should be able or like no mortal should be able to hold an infinity stone mm-hmm. it was yeah. a big deal that peter was able to do it yeah mm-hmm. they're yeah. just holding stones all over the place in this movie yeah <laughs> but it was it was in a gauntlet also the no, gauntlet like, kind of made me upset this movie because like how Thanos had that? to go to like Freaking a E.T. dying star yeah. and, like, yeah. kill a bunch of giants and have this guy make yeah. it for him. And then, like, you saying that Stark Tech can just hold the stones? Yeah. This nanotech? Like, what? It, it was a little wonky. But, and, yeah. Yeah. But, oh, man. So, do you want to just get to that, the gut punch? Oh, but, like... Is there like, anything else that we want to talk about? The... 
the girl power moment was was nice. Oh yeah, that was oh, yeah. awesome. That, that was that makes me want just like a, a female yeah. Avengers movie. We, they should greenlight that right now. I think that was a perfect. It, it like wasn't even very long, but it yeah. was a perfect proof of concept. That it's like look at how many look at women how we have now, are. and they're all badasses besides Mantis. Yeah, she shouldn't have been there. I, I was. I wanted them to uh, show what Mantis was going to do in that fight, and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, Mantis, you, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to punch something? What is, what is going on? Um, but then they also, maybe I'm wrong, but they didn't show Shuri do anything in that. No. Fight, right. No. But I also liked so in this, like sequence, two people made Thanos be like, oh shoot. And it was two women, and I really liked that. Who was the other one? Captain Marvel? Oh, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Because, like, yeah. like, she had him, like, up in, like, she was, like, strangling him, I think. And mm-hmm. he was, like, fire the missiles. And he's, like, oh, but our army's still down there. And he's, like, fire them anyway. I don't care. Like, <laughs> that was, that was, that yeah. was bug. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, oh, my God. And Scarlet Witch, I'm, I'm glad she finally got that moment. Like, mm-hmm. that was perfect. And you can see the idea. I know we talked about this a little bit last week, Ian, that, Scarlet Witch is a very tortured character, and her power comes from her getting her tortured events yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so she was at her strongest here for sure, mm-hmm. because she had lost everything at yeah. that point. Uh, no homage to Quicksilver. A little bummed about that one, but I was really hoping that we'd see him. I love that guy. But then, yeah, so then Thanos like sends a whole bunch of missiles down at them, right? This is before Captain Marvel gets mm-hmm. here. And there's a really good scene that I like. I don't know if it's intentional, but it's uh, Peter has the uh, gauntlet and the stuff is raining down on him. And, and he's, he's just, just down on the ground. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. And in that moment, you're just like, oh, shit, that's a kid. It's a kid, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like that's just like a little kid. Yeah. And yeah, that. It was like a throwback to his standalone movie when he was like under the rubble. Yeah, and freaking out. And freaking out. Like, somebody help, somebody help. Like, oh, he's actually, like, 15 years old. Like, somebody come help this kid. <laughs> yeah. 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 I thought that was really good. There's also a couple uh, interactions in this. So there's, like, the interaction between Tony and Peter. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really touching. Mm-hmm. Um, and Peter ends it on, like, a, a comedy beat. And I think normally that undermines the um, drama. Yeah. But I thought that it actually elevated it somehow mm-hmm. in this. It was just very, very nice. The interaction with Tony and Doctor Strange was really cool. Mm-hmm. Were there some other ones? Oh, the interaction between Peter and Gamora. It was oh, that was funny. funny. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. <laughs> it very clearly sets up Guardians of the Galaxy three to be mm-hmm. like the with, search getting for Gamora, Gamora back yeah. or whatever. It's I I think that the way that they bring Gamora back is smart. I I think I might have preferred her to stay dead just to make that more significant. Yeah, but. I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty good way to do a it. Good compromise. It's yeah. Kind of smart, and it doesn't. It's not like there's no consequences from that. She doesn't know anything about. It's the not Guardians. the same Gamora. Yeah. So that's cool. So yeah, but then Captain Marvel is pounding Thanos. He blasts her away, and then Tony gets the Infinity Gauntlet. Before Doctor Strange looks at Tony, and he gives him like a one finger. Showing that they're showing still that, like this is the one time yeah. like you know what you have to do, and so he snaps it. He gets rid of everybody in Thanos's army, including Thanos, and he gets dead. And yep, he gets dead. <laughs> How'd you guys feel about this? It so, didn't really hit me. Like I, I was pretty sad, but I didn't start like tearing up until um, Pepper got there, and 
she didn't like start like sobbing or anything at, f- at first when she saw him dying she just told him that he could rest yeah that and, was brutal and i was like yeah because he like needs rest because he like is he's just always grinding you know he mm-hmm. he can't stop being iron man <laughs> yeah but but yeah but he just like can't stop being iron man he tries to stop and he can't yeah. and this is like forcing him to stop yeah and it was like a callback to Earlier in the movie, when he was like, "I could stop right now. I yeah, could, I could just but he go to the ocean and go to sleep." And she was like, "But would you rest?" Yeah. yeah. And then, like at the end, she was like, "You can rest now." So yeah, that was yeah. really good. I like. I that. thought this scene was fantastic. Yeah, I know it was pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. And I really love the three combos or like the one, two, three punch of. Rhodey is the first one to meet him. And I think that we forget that these guys are like really, really good friends. Mm-hmm. They are potentially best friends and i think roadie and tony's relationship has been kind of sidelined since tony's been you know up in captain america yeah but it was so effective to just have roadie just look at him and give him that acknowledgement mm-hmm. that was like you are my best friend mm-hmm. i am so sad to see you go but this is not my moment to have mm-hmm. you mean so much to so many people and i thought that that was just excellent writing. It was excellent acting from Don Cheadle, just showing that look of grief on his face in a way that was felt really real about friendship, but then completely distinguishes that relationship from the relationship of the second punch, which is Peter, mm-hmm. who comes in, and he is losing his mind. Yeah. He's crying. He's bawling. And Tom he... Holland, again, showing that he is on the fast track for getting an Oscar. Yeah. Not for this, but like eventually, I, I guarantee you. And just the look of pain on his face of that is a child seeing a mentor die. Mm-hmm. So, like, we don't need to see the relationship of Peter and Uncle Ben because Tony is his Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Like, we – that whole reaction was just another completely type of emotional grief that was super powerful and effective. And then you have Pepper come in and just be like, I know you more than anybody else knows you, and I know that you are – you don't care about dying. You care about leaving this world. And she was just like, no, you've done everything that you possibly could. This is your time to rest. I don't know. I thought that was just brutal. Yeah, it was. Powerful writing, powerful acting. Mm-hmm. And it, again, would not be as effective if you hadn't watched Iron Man and mm-hmm. Iron Man 2 yeah. and Iron Man 3 and get to see this character grow throughout 22 movies. It, it is insane. Yeah, it is it unparalleled. Is. And I thought that I was it was beautiful. So, yeah. But so then we move on, and I think the rest of this movie is just sort of like wrapping up. Return of the King. Yep. There's a lot of endings. <laughs> yeah, and then the next thing that made me cry. <laughs> well, so first there's the um, the uh, funeral. Yeah. Also, right. when he says, I am Iron Man before he oh, snaps, yes, we... that was Beautiful. the corniest line. That actually resonated with me. Yeah. You know? like, Usually it's like, oh, come on. So <laughs> stupid, but for some reason... You were just like always gonna say it, and if the movie had ended like that, I would have been fine. Yeah, like that was the perfect way to end that scene. Yeah, just, it was. Oh it was my really gosh. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Thing. I was okay, just I like, that. yeah. Oh my gosh. But the funeral. The funeral. Yeah. yeah. I again another homage to the the proof that Tony Stark has a heart. Mm-hmm, I, yeah. That almost made me cry. I didn't cry in this movie. But I got pretty close a couple times. Oh, and I figured out who that kid was. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. You know? No. 
the, the he's kid from Iron, Iron Man, Man 3. 3. Yeah, and he's five years older, or ten, whatever. Ten years? Something. Yeah. That's crazy. But I really liked that he was there. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked that basically everyone was there. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I also really like that at this funeral they give uh, Happy Hogan, John Favreau, lines. And yeah, a little moment. interaction with his daughter, which is That's what got sweet. me. The, yeah. that's what got the me. little burger uh, yeah. reference also. Because it felt so real. Like that, that. That's what would like if one of my friends died and he had a daughter. That that's what I would. Yeah. That, that's how I would communicate yeah. with her. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like, insane how real these characters feel. Yeah. I, I think the writing in this movie is incredible. Even yeah. If the plot is pretty basic. Like mm-hmm. the. Yeah, and I really like that. That serves as an homage and almost a thank you to John Favreau who before Kevin Feige was Kevin Feige, he kind of pioneered the initial start of this MCU. And without him, without his vision for Iron Man, we wouldn't have any of this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very, very nice way to show thank you to yeah. him. You know? I also liked in the in the funeral scene that like everyone wasn't together, but they were still together. Like, like Everyone was still standing in their individual groups like yeah. there was the ant-man group and the guardians of the galaxy group and like the original uh like thor and captain america were standing mm-hmm. together and so like they were all separated but still together like they're still the avengers even though the guardians of the galaxy is over here and mm-hmm. ant-man's doing its own thing like they still come together for like the greater good yeah and like the greater good is kind of like what tony said for yeah oh, yeah and i really liked uh, Nick Fury being at the mm-hmm. end and just that being the last person that you see in that long list of mm-hmm. people. Because he started it all. Yeah. yeah. I think this movie, I mean, I've, I've alluded to this a couple times, but this movie does a really good job at knowing what to make said and knowing what to keep unsaid. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible way to explain that, right? Mm-hmm. But like, the reaction, for example, the uh, the relationship between Rhodey and and Tony in those last moments is largely unsaid. It's all on, a, on your face, but that it is so much more powerful than for three people to individually come up to that person and start crying yeah. and have the same reaction. And so the movie does a really good job at knowing like when, when to make it subtext and when to make it actual text. And the same thing with like Scarlet, uh, keep saying Scarlet Witch, but Black Widow's death. Mm-hmm. You, we know that Clint is the one to lash out and Thor is the one to lash out, but Captain America is quiet and crying. Hulk is the one that shows it on his face and throws... I don't know. Just yeah. The way that this movie deals with emotions, I think, should not be understated. Yeah, it, yeah. It is so much more than just, you know, action-y popcorn stuff, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. Okay, Ian, take us to the next part that breaks you. Oh, yeah. When they're trying to close up every all of the... Uh, loose ends that they have in the past, returning all the in- Infinity Stones. Cap says that he wants to go alone, and they're like, all right, you're going you're gonna to come back here. It'll be like 10 seconds for us, but however, however long you need. And they wait the 10 seconds after he goes, and he doesn't come back. And everybody's like, oh, crap, where is he? And then Bucky and Sam notice a man sitting on a bench, and they, like... They don't say anything, but they they know that it's it's Cap, and yeah. he and he waited to get old, and they sit down with him, and they talk to him, and he has a wedding ring on. They but he doesn't. Cap doesn't tell them about uh, Peggy. Yeah. And he gives 
Sam. Wait, wait, uh, before you do that, um, I really like that, again, this is another example of them knowing when not to say something Mm -hmm. is the goodbye between Bucky and Cap. Yeah. Bucky knows that he's not coming back. Yeah. You can tell. Um, So, like, the dialogue they have is, like, exactly the same as the first Avenger, Mm -hmm. but flipped. So, like, when Bucky's going off to war... Yeah. Uh, he was like, "Don't be stupid while I'm gone." Like, yeah. Don't be stupid when you're taking all the stupid with you. But like, yeah, yeah. The, the words they say is flipped. So yeah. like, I really, like I feel that. like Bucky knew that he wasn't coming back. Like, yeah. I just feel like he knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it's and, funny because Sam's like, "Dude, wh- like, what? We're gonna see him in like ten seconds." Yeah. But like, Bucky's just like, "No, man. Like, he is. He's 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 yeah. he's, he's out, and I'm happy." Yeah. yeah. And like, that's the, a good friend. The fact that um. That Bucky wasn't the person to talk to Cap. At first, annoyed me. At first, yeah. But like, he knew that like, he came to terms with like what was about to happen, and like, he feel like I feel like he knew that Sam need, needed that closure. Yeah. Between so, the two. So Ian, but... go ahead and tell us what happens. Yeah. So then Cap gives uh, Sam Wilson the the shield of Captain America and Sam's like, this doesn't belong to me. It belongs to someone else. And we're like, yeah, it belongs to Bucky. (laughs) No, I, I actually, I really like that Sam's getting it. I think Cap feels the same way for Bucky that he does about himself. I think he, he wants Bucky to rest too. Yeah. And I think he, I think he wants, I think he wants him to get out because he's been in just as long as Cap has. And he's been even more tortured than Cap has. That is a very good point. I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Um, and he wants his best friend to just have a good life. Now. I do wish that then in Civil War, they made more of a point to include Falcon yeah. in the last half of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Because it does very much feel like it is Bucky's turn. Mm-hmm. Because he is... Civil War is almost a love story between Bucky and Cap. I And so... What I, no, I really like it because I think we don't really see right now in Sam what what Cap sees in him and I think that's what the next movie with Sam is going to be about. I think you it's going to he's going to be in a movie cuz he's in or a TV show. Well, he's definitely going to be in a movie. You think so? Yeah. Also, I think that one of these TV shows I think is a lie. I think it's not. One of these TV shows is definitely just not happening. Really? It's just definitely <laughs> just not happening. <laughs> like I don't know which one isn't about to happen because <laughs> I don't know, but like you're not about to have there's a Loki show, a uh, Hawkeye show, a so, Scarlet Vision show, and so either the Scarlet Vision show or the Bucky and Sam show is a lie because so? it's definitely just because Kevin Faggy be just lying and like <laughs> yeah he is just a fucking and liar like, <laughs> and like you're not about to give Sam the shield and then just not have him in movies anymore yeah yeah right yeah. and like you're not gonna like I guess Scarlet Witch could like just not be in movies anymore but like. The fact that like she was, she's one of the only remaining Avengers left because Thor left and Hawkeye's probably gonna retire and you know Cap's gone, Tony's gone. So so like from like the last movie that isn't Infinity War, so Age of Ultron, she's like the only Avenger from like that that is still here. Mm-hmm. And just to have her not oh, be wow. in it anymore, just like she's just gone. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have. Yeah, she. I don't know. I don't know how much. 
it'll be interesting to see what they do in the TV shows with her because yeah. they haven't given her that much character stuff. Rhodey yeah. is still there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Rhodey is still there. But, yeah, 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 no, I mean, I agree with you. So one thing I wanted to bring up with the Captain America thing is actually two things. The dance with Peggy? No. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. That was really good. But so Anthony Mackie right now has 900, 905,000 followers on Twitter. And Captain America, or Chris Evans, has 10.7 million. So I want to know how how many followers do you think Anthony Mackie will have at the end of this weekend? I mean, not nearly as many as no, Chris no, Evans. No, obviously not. And I mean, it, it's just like Chris Evans is a more bankable star, obviously. Yeah. But I bet you he gets a ton of yeah. more followers. Yeah, he's, and he it's definitely. just going to go more and more and yeah, more. He, he will. You saw the same thing with Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. I remember I followed him like in Civil War mm-hmm. online, and then you look at it now, and it's a crazy amount of followers. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's funny. But um, the other more important one is that I really like this old man cap stuff, but it does go against the time travel logic for the rest of the film. What do you mean? So in the film, they say that when time travel happens and you go back in time, you cause a branch and a new reality so Mm -hmm. you can no longer go back to your old time because it becomes it becomes a new like a new break Mm -hmm. in reality Mm -hmm. so if he stayed back into that old time where he doesn't go back it would branch off and he would be old man cap in a completely different timeline yeah he wouldn't be old man cap in this timeline yeah so that doesn't make sense at all i would just argue that they were wrong about that then well but like but but then that asks a whole bunch of other questions, like where is Loki and how? What has Cap been doing? Yeah, no, it just in just in the same no, universe. I, then I always I thought that um, I know if I know if you think too much about time travel stuff, it's it bad, just doesn't make sense. But yeah. I thought everything else worked perfectly until this moment. I just thought that he did like a. I'm going back, like so, like if you have like a timeline going like this, and then he splits off and lives his life. And then, and then I assumed that Peggy's dead. Peggy died because he probably outlived her because of the super soldier serum. Then he went back to when he oh. first went back. And yeah, there went, you go. And then went forward. There's your okay. solution. So, like, so he went, he, he split, right. went here, come back, go forward. There you go, Monty. Satisfied. That, okay, I guess that's, that's my fair. thought. But like, they did not explain that. Nope. <laughs> you have to kind of but, just come to your own conclusion about uh, it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like, it's more of a nitpick. It's yeah. not really like a. Like, I don't think it ruins the sentiment of the moment. I just think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Or interesting. Um, so then, yeah, it ends with them dancing, right? And that's, I think, the perfect ending. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the end of the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those credits. Like, yeah. Like, those credits were so great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Like, with the... The signatures. The signatures and stuff. Yeah. I was like, yeah. It really put, like, a final stamp or, like, period at the end of this being, like, the culmination. Yeah. And yeah. finale. And yeah. also... The- best that's why I like that there was no, in post hindsight, credits. in hindsight, obviously when there was no post credit scene and I waited till the end of the credits to watch it. Yeah, like 1.45 45 like, <laughs> But I, I really liked that it ended with the beginning, the the old Marvel logo and the, the hammer of Tony, Tony in the cave. Yeah, I really yeah. liked that. Yeah. yeah. Full circle. Yeah, this movie was great. I honestly can't think of a better way to culminate and like end this thing. And I think that Game of Thrones and Star Wars Episode Nine have a very tall order to live up to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good luck with that one. Good freaking luck, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Do we want to talk about anything else? No. 
something. So. Go see the movie. Okay. Go see it. I mean, if you've listened this far, <laughs> you messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff we've been watching. Mm-hmm. And Cam, just to let you know, it's the point two section because that is the point two at the end of a 26.2 marathon. See how clever we are? Okay. Yeah, so you can think of this as the uh, last 50 meters of the 500 where you're just dying. Yeah. So uh, this is it. just a little little small thing that we do. Did um, you get it? I do get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Tell us that we're clever. Oh, it's so clever, guys. Thank you. Thank okay. you. <laughs> so, Ian, what have you seen since last time? Uh, so, something that I've been watching for a while is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, you did say that. You did say that. Yeah, yeah thanks I for paying attention to what I talk yeah. about, guys. Okay. Um, this was a surprise to us because <laughs> we don't listen to Ian when he preps us for stuff. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my girlfriend Maddie and I have been like binge-watching it, and we just finished the most recent season, which was... 2018 i believe uh it might have been 2017 but uh it's it's a such a funny show i would absolutely recommend it to people who enjoy seinfeld i guess or just enjoy watching terrible people do like nonsensical things yeah that's what i was gonna ask if it was like one of those comedies that's based on just awful people yeah awful things it's kind of like veep yeah it's supposed to make you like hate the characters and then uh you know there are some points where larry david uh who plays himself he uh he does something that maybe or like find, nitpicks something that you would nitpick and you're like crap am i a terrible person and then he like confirms that you are <laughs> uh what's the premise of the show cam have you seen this show never yeah i mean um so have you ever seen seinfeld a show about nothing. Yeah, episodes. yeah. So it, it's about Larry David, the writer of Seinfeld, uh, what he does after Seinfeld. Oh, okay. I did not know that he wrote Seinfeld. Yeah, and, and so he he like co-created it with Jerry Seinfeld, um, and it's just a, about how he lives his life post Seinfeld, and just how he does basically nothing but uh, do really crappy things to people <laughs> and ruin people's cool. lives. Yeah. So you'd recommend it? I, I would definitely. It's, uh, it's on HBO, right? I would definitely recommend it. Uh, yeah. But if you're a fan of Seinfeld, you this is HBO, so you're going to get some pretty foul language okay. um, <laughs> and so, some pretty uh, risque topics that you wouldn't get in Seinfeld. So I, I guess be prepared for that. Okay, Mom cool. and dad. <laughs> Cam, what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, I recently finished a Netflix original show called On My Block. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's So, the acting is not great. Uh, mainly from the main actress who plays this character, Monse. Uh, she really just breaks down the show because it's really predicated on her. She's a really big yeah. part of it. What's the but show it's, about? It's about just a group of friends in the inner city in Los Angeles. And... Just, like, their trials and tribulations with gang violence and just growing up in that kind of environment. Mm. But it has a light tone to it because they're high school students with aspirations of grandeur. and You know, they have yeah. really big dreams. So it's kind of just how they navigate their surroundings. So I think that the story is really compelling, even though the acting might falter sometimes. Yeah. And it's a show I would really recommend to everyone. 
So I saw the first episode and then was like, yeah, I, I didn't like the acting. I thought it was just, yeah, it was mainly the acting that kind of put me off. Yeah. Do you think it gets better as the series progresses? Or if I didn't like the first episode, then it's sort of like, well. I think that if the reason you stopped watching is because of the acting, the acting is not getting better. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you... But it does take a few episodes to, like, really grip you with the story. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you felt like that first episode was kind of slow, then maybe you should keep watching. But the acting remains to be terrible okay. to this day. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Okay. Yeah. I might give it a shot, though. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll try another episode. I, I watched do the CW, remember... so. Yeah, that's I'm used true. to bad acting. <laughs> the CW, at least, you get super cross with <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I do remember... The, like, the premise of the first episode being definitely something that I had seen before. So at the very least, that's cool. It's like telling yeah. stories that you don't normally hear. Yeah. Especially in like comedies. Right? It's a comedy. Sort of like a comedy dramedy it's a, thing. It's a dramedy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what I watched recently was I just watched the season, uh, the final season of The Americans. Mm, mm-hmm. You heard of the show? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a show where it's about like communist Russian spies that are disguised as Americans in uh, like the 1970s around during the Cold War. Uh, and it's played, the, the two main characters are played by Carrie Russell and Matthew Reese. And mm-hmm. this sh- whole show is just like a textbook of how to create tension and like the slow burn. It's just like the, the masterpiece of slow burn storytelling. Mm-hmm. So there's some episodes, like if I watch this a little too late at night, I just fall asleep because... It's it's a lot of like quiet um, with sort of these quiet scenes. Sometimes it's pretty dark, so you can't always see what's going on because they're doing all sorts of espionage stuff. And uh, sometimes it's hard to follow exactly what's going on, especially for me because I'm really bad at following that type <laughs> of stuff. But the there's just like this always this feeling of tension and not knowing how they're going to get out of a situation and not knowing if they're going to get discovered by their kids or their neighbors or whoever and then there's these sort of uh almost like uh, like action potential spikes of um just action that happen where something just goes very wrong very quickly and there's this insane little like thing that you know they just have to kill someone or like they have to steal this thing from someplace or else their whole cover is going to get blown and everything like that. And then on top of that, there's this whole relationship between these two spies who were basically forced together to pretend to be married. And your stomach just growled. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> and the so it really deals with kind of the emotional side of how do you pretend to love someone and how do you maintain a relationship with a person like that that you know were was like forced to be with you can you actually love that person and how does a marriage like what does the marriage around that mean and i think it's really really interesting and i would definitely recommend it it's on it's from fx so it's on like amazon prime i guess Mm -hmm. it is a super slow burn but the last season especially ends fantastically just like avengers endgame and there's a time jump so i thought it was a nice little parallel nice Yeah. So this has been our review of Avengers Endgame. Cam, thanks a lot for joining us this week. Do you want to plug anything? Shoot. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. Plugs? Nah, man. Um, Go Raptors. (laughs) Game one, Eastern Conference semifinals game tomorrow. Who are they playing? You know what I'm saying? 
Philadelphia. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Toronto all the way. Six side. Uh, Canada until I die. Yeah. I've, all I've that heard, good stuff. I've heard the Raptors are a really, really good basketball team. We are. Yeah. We're just choking in the, in the playoffs. Uh-huh, but sure. That's okay. fine. As, uh, as, as most good people do, they, they choke in, in playoffs, yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones, episode three. Mm. The Night King's coming. Oh, yeah. Make sure you guys tune in. We saw one Stark die. How many more are we going to see die? Ooh, that you was know, nice. Do you, think? Uh, do you think a Stark is going to die? Uh, no. Interesting. I guess Jon we'll Snow's going to die. But he's uh, not a Stark. Ah, you. I guess we just sort of just ruined it. Spoilers for Game of Thrones post-mortem, I guess. Whatever. Anyways. Um, yeah. All right. Awesome. So, uh, Ian, if listeners would like to follow you online, where can they find you? You can follow me at iAnderson on Twitter. The O in Anderson is zero. Oh, yo. Follow me on Instagram. Cam Nurse. C-A-M-N-U-R-S-E. I don't have Twitter. <laughs> He lights up Instagram, though. It's awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mgirl9, and we now officially have a uh, Twitter exclusive to the podcast that you can follow, and that's at MovieMaraPod. So, like, Movie, Mara, and then P-O-D. <laughs> yeah, we're really clever here. Uh, you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. And you can find more episodes of our podcast on Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. So feel free to subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through Detective Pikachu. Oh. Super excited for that one. (laughs) Yeah. My whole childhood is Pokemon, so. Oh, okay. Until then. Bye. See ya. Later. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.